Hello, welcome to From the Rookery End. Um, Watford have just beaten, hooray hurrah, uh, Middlesbrough away. Final whistle has just gone. Uh, my name is John, with me is Mike. Hooray hurrah, holla bass. Happy birthday, John. Not a bad present now, is it? Uh, very, very good. Three points. Uh, we saw the game, we're going to go through it. But uh, coming up on the podcast, uh, talk about this. Uh, but also, special guest. Uh, and boy, thank you to everyone who uh, had a, a good go at trying to guess who our former Watford player is going to be. Uh, I did say that he was an uh, a academy graduate. Uh, had played uh, in the playoff final in '99. Thanks to uh, Mike Smart, Pete Fincham, uh, Chris Patterson, and uh, Stuart uh, Levy, who all got involved. Uh, the answer is Darren Baisley. I spoke to him the other day to talk about uh, an object that I want to put into our 100 objects list. But let's get onto this game, Mike. It was a scrappy game. Yep. Many of the outsiders uh, probably wouldn't say it was um, good enough to be part of uh, Super Sunday, and it was a bit difficult to watch. Yeah, I don't care what anyone else thinks apart from Watford or, to a lesser degree, Middlesbrough supporters think. Um, it was always going to be, uh, as far as Super Sunday goes, I think probably all the jokes have been made already out on the on Twitter. But um, absolutely, what a great result. Clean sheet, first of the season. Um, so that is a huge, huge tick in the box. Um, and really, although I was you, you, you hated watching that with me because I was sort of <laughs> taking my hat off, putting my hat back on, standing up and down, pacing... Picking my fingers, you know, doing hot on a captain roof because I get nervous towards the end of the game. But really, now having had a little sort of five, ten minutes to digest it, Middlesbrough didn't really create much. Horalia um, Gomez had fewer saves than usual to make. Um, so, great win, three points, and an away clean sheet. I think that'll do do wonders for the, for the side. In terms of a spectacle, very little... Uh, like as you mentioned, for the purists, not much to enjoy if you're if you're a neutral there, but plenty plenty to get our teeth into from a Watford point of view. But bottom line, really really important win, difficult place to go on a on a on a Sunday lunchtime. You never quite know how those ones are going to go out. So um, to get the win and uh, to take that one chance, Holabas, brilliant brilliant goal. I think that's what you get from him. Uh, we mm. might go on to talk about him a bit later, but I think you have to forgive his defensive frailties. Um, and perhaps his lack of concentration and poor um, positioning, just just those couple of things. <laughs> not important for a Premier League defender. That was a bit harsh on him, but that's what you get with him. You get the if you if you give him that extra bit of space with the ball, which uh, which is what Middlesbrough did on the edge of the box. You're going to pay the price because that left foot is um, is capable of doing that. And I think that's why he is he's been in the team just because of that. I think he can take. I've said all along he's going to take someone by surprise. He did it at West Ham. Uh, and he's done it at Middlesbrough again today. Absolutely, um, as I my heartbeat slows down after the final whistle, getting more and more um, happy and, and pleased with the result. Absolutely brilliant. I, yeah, it's interesting about him because um, one, he's retired from uh, international duty. Yeah, it's a funny this one. The uh, thing is, he's a funny fella. And also, um, at the end of the game, uh, him seeing him having quite a heated argument. Uh, with Kapu, where before uh, Kabul and then Dini sort of went, you know, come on, lads, what, what are you arguing about? Yeah, no, I, I wasn't quite sure what it was about. No, I just put on Twitter they might be arguing about how long it takes him to get home with uh, Etienne, uh, with uh, Holobas going for a uh, uh, rather optimistic three and a half hours, and Etienne Kapu <laughs> pointing out it's going to be a bit longer than that, I'm afraid, Jose. But I quite like that. Yeah, I quite yeah. like that the, um, the, you know, the Inquisition goes on after the game. They've obviously got stuff that they want to talk about. Um, they're obviously talking about the game. I assume. I don't know what the both both of them got up to last night. Maybe uh, there's a carry for that. But I assume it's about I assume it's about the game. And I, I quite like that. It's obviously in the heat at the moment. They're obviously quite. I wouldn't say it was heated, but it was a uh, animated discussion, mm. should we say? They were talking about the game. They were talking about what each other expects of them. And mm. I think that's great. I think that shows you know after a win, let's get that. Let's 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 get that what we had has to be said out of the way, and then they can enjoy the win on the on the 
way home. I think I haven't got a problem with that at all. I like the idea of them actually really picking at some little detail or something that they did. You know, really trying to strive for those, those yeah, well, Holo, perfection. Holobus isn't one to let something go, is he? Which is what I like about him. He's tenacious. He's a snapper. He's uh, He's got that sort of temperament, hasn't he? And uh, I quite like the fact that he's always... You don't see him smile very often. No. Um, and I quite like that. We, I've mentioned this before. We spoke to Adam Leventar a, a while ago in one of his many uh, appearances on the uh, podcast. Hello, Adam, if you're listening. Um, not sure if he's on Sky Sports News today, but anyway, hello, Adam. But he said he always wanted Watford to be nastier. And I think we've got that in a, in a couple of players, and, and Holobas is one of those. And I, I really like him. I think mm. he's, he's not perfect, which is, we always say this, like all, all if a player is perfect, he's not going to be at Watford. Mm. But I'm, I like to see him in the, in the starting lineup, especially on a day like today, um, when Middlesbrough, where the, uh, the, the, there was a lot of play acting from them. I thought they went down quite easily a lot of times. The ref was given a lot of yellow cards. and it Maybe could have given a red at some point. Could have done. And, and Let's recover that off now. I think. Yeah, go on. I think it should have been a red card. Um, it was two bookable offences. Um, so yeah, there's no real question. It should have been a yellow card. I think there's a lot of been a talk recently about whether whether officials have it in their responsibility, whether they've got that bit of wiggle room to keep eleven men on the pitch if they can. And you made a good point before we started the show that perhaps there was a little bit of half a foul almost from success before before the guy yeah, fouled yeah, yeah, yeah. him which might have might have saved his bacon in that occasion well there was a, the, the the trouble is though and this is where you think it was sort of maybe game management was Pereira got a foul and uh, it, he got pulled around almost the same tackle yeah. as success he sort of did fall over because he's a slightly lighter fella than success <laughs> yeah. but success had done a little bit of a barge just before it and then they'd sort of clashed and I can sort of see why referees do have a problem when it comes to Almost like they say, the same foul being being given a yellow or not mm. being given a yellow. Mm. Uh, but I do think, yeah, there was it was a little bit of game management from the referee, and I do sort of think there were some occasions where he was trying to make up for it. But the minute those two players who had yellow cards went off, it started going. That's the that's the you know that's a little bit of you know leeway that he gave those players. Let's be completely clear: it was a second bookable, and it should have been a red card. But having said that, at the time, I think it, it wasn't necessarily the worst thing for Watford because ten men are difficult to play against and I know no people will ask, argue against that but you've seen it we've seen it time and time after again when you're playing against 10 minutes they're difficult to break down um, and at the time I thought Middlesbrough might go into their shells a little bit and make it make it even more difficult than it than it was for us that said the way the rest of the game panned out I thought Middlesbrough were, were quite poor um, attacking they didn't really show anything their delivery was was pretty feeble really so I think if they had gone down to 10 men I think we would have would have punished them especially the way um, that Isaac's success was getting a bit of uh, su- uh, success going <laughs> going forward it's going to happen uh, it's going to happen yeah <laughs> at the time I thought it wasn't a bad thing uh, should have been a red uh, but I, yeah having had time to, to review it I think it, we'd, we'd have gone on to win comfortably if they'd been down to 10 but there you go that's the that's what happens in these games isn't it the uh, interesting uh Staff of the of the day was uh, seeing the team news and seeing Isaac's success, success starting uh, and Igalo not something we've been crying out for. At least some people crying out for it in the really negative way. Some people crying out for it just to see something different, see what this boy, this this wonder kid. Well, I think we're falling into the trap again of saying one camp this, one camp that. Yeah. If the conversation has been yes, who should start Igalo and. Uh, and I think we need to, we don't want to be that sort of modern day football football fan or politician or anyone that argues anything these days. If it's either that or that, and one's yeah. right and one's wrong, it's not that's not the case at all. And it's 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 a discussion about which one of those guys should be starting. They're both there's reasons for both of them to start. I think it, it was becoming increasingly difficult not to argue that that success deserved his his chance to start more than Igalo didn't deserve his place in the team. Um, success came in and he did well. 
he did really, really well. We, you know what you're going to get from him. We've seen it in, in short bursts. The question was, how's he going to, uh, how's he going to contribute to the team over a 90-minute period? Um, and we saw it. I think people might initially think, well, you know, where's the sort of, where's the, after the first sort of 20, 25 minutes, where's the burst of pace and skill from success that we've seen when he's coming on as a substitute? But that's not what an entire game performance is about. It's about the whole entire contribution to the, to the ebb and flow of the game, to the pressure that we can put on them, to the, the, the questions that the defence are asking themselves, to, to what the manager thinks about the tactics. And, and, and Isaac's success was a thorn in their side throughout. Um, their, their right back who should have been sent off was had to be withdrawn because time after time he was getting beaten and that wasn't necessarily to do with sheer skill or pace from success he just he didn't know what was going to happen mm. he had the absolute beating of him every time um, so in terms of his overall contribution uh, it was excellent one disappointing thing and uh, I think it was Pete Fincham who, who made the point on Twitter uh, he was still on the ground complaining about the penalty when um, about the lack of penalty award when Holobas's goal flew into the back of the net and we could uh, probably do with uh, with him being engaged in the game by, by that so we're a bit pernickety I'll, I'll yeah yeah here, but, but he's that sort of that's, that's him being a classic young player really. yeah that's him yeah. but he, he won man of the match and if it was going to go to anyone it absolutely had to go to him I thought it was a it was a great performance um, and yeah and he's looking looking more and more like the part with each with each with each game it's really good to see him play the best part of 90 minutes it's, mm. that's something that we don't need to worry about now did Deeney get in the game as much with, with Isaac's success as, as the other sort of forward player I don't I don't think so um, but then again against other teams I think Isaac's success could be a, a an equally valuable uh, just as valuable a foil to Troy as, uh, as Iggy is just in a just in a very different way so exciting times they've both proved that they can deliver 90 minutes of Premier League football for Watford and that that's great because last year the real big concern was if Troy got injured or if Igalo got injured what the heck was going to happen where are the goals going to come from and now we've got we've got uh, got Isaac's success who's proved he can come in and you know how he'd play with, with Iggy I don't know but you know he's done really well today, really, really well, um, and it, it continues to be a great selection headache for for Matt Sorry. It's really good. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. We'll get to some of your points on Twitter uh, in, in a minute, um, but uh, Mike's surname is Parkin. Has a son called Arlo, uh, and this feature where we get his views every week on a different aspect of Watford Football Club is called Michael Parkinson. <laughs> So it gives me great pleasure to once again welcome you to Michael Parkinson. Hello Arlo, how are you? Good. Now, what days are football matches usually played on? Mm, Saturday. But what day is it today? Sunday. And Watford are playing today of course. So Watford have played Burnley on a, on a Monday night, now they're playing Middlesbrough on a Sunday. What do you think about football being played on days other than Saturday? Funny. You think it's funny? Why do you think it's funny? I don't really know. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? Good thing. Do you think Watford are going to beat Middlesbrough today? No. What do you think the score will be? 5-2. Good game. Arlo, thanks for joining us. Bye. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in 100 objects! Hundred objects, Michael. We've been doing this for quite a while now. We're only up to number sixty. We should work a little bit harder on it. We're being very selective, though, and quite rightly. This is a hundred objects that define what for football club. We can't just throw anything in willy nilly. So yeah, uh, they're, they're objects that either define something that's happened on the pitch, or they're objects that define your uh, connection uh, with the football club as as a fan. Any favourite so far, Mike, that you can think of? I think they're all superb. I love the uh, I love the Luton uh, the Luton membership card. I think that's that just shows incredible. 
willingness because I wouldn't have anything Luton branded in in my house, let alone pay, let alone pay for it. So for someone to do that to to get to the Watford games, I think is I think it's great. I like really like that one. I do like the personalised Sabutio um, uh, set that was done. Uh, as well as so our personal items, um, the one that you took to the playoff final yeah. uh, uh, with your your brother as a cardboard uh, cutout to yeah. show he didn't miss the game, uh, and also my Junior Hornets badge is one of my uh, my Junior Hornets um, membership card is one of my my, my sort of personal ones I put in there. Uh, I'm actually going to put uh, this month put another one in. Um, it's a black eight ball. It comes from when I played Darren Baisley at Paul. Now. This happened because he used to be a lodger uh, with a family around the corner from us. So I sort of knew Darren, you know, of Darren um, before he became a, a, a big player. And at a birthday party, uh, or at a party, uh, we at our house, he started to play pool. And I remember, because I was dead proud of it at the time, of beating him in a black ball game. Now, Darren has been living out in New Zealand for the last 11 years. Uh, I tried to get in touch with him just to prove, because I've told you the story before, Mike. Yeah? You have, once or twice, John, yes. And, and you, you don't 100% believe me, do you? Uh, absolutely not. Right. So I want to try and prove to see if Darren did remember uh, what happened. And I got in touch, uh, and he, I spoke to him last week. He was over in America with the New Zealand uh, first team, uh, men's team, who had played Mexico and then the United States, uh, part of International uh, Week. He's normally uh, in charge of the uh, under-20s uh, team. And uh, first of all, find out about the game, but also talk to him about his time at Watford, uh, coming through the ranks, uh, and that final game he played at Wembley uh, to get us promoted to the Premier League under Graham Taylor. Um, but he didn't even mind him. Tell me about this game of Paul. I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember you dressed as a... Um, I think it was either Mexican or a cowboy. <laughs> so that sounds dodgy already. Uh. <laughs> we were playing a game of pool, and we played right. several. And yeah, I think you beat me every single time, apart from one game that got to black ball. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which now I look back on it, maybe, maybe you let me pot the black ball because I was. No, I doubt it. I would have been, <laughs> been trying to win. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I do remember. The dad, your dad, I sort of half remember the, the, it must have been a party, yeah. So I probably would have been, oh, come on, let's go play pool all night and let them, let them party because I wouldn't have known anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not, but no, I'm not going to admit to losing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, you know, if, if your memory says uh, you won or you, let's say you let me win, um, yeah. you know, a little, little lad, maybe he said, oh, go on then, you can win one game. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's, that's how I like to try to remember it. <laughs> with looking back on Watford now now you know especially you're uh, a coach of young of young lads you know they're 19 20 years old I suspect yeah most of them yeah you're working with someone like Tom Wally oh, um legend yeah what, what how do you look back on on him and sort of does he influence yeah. you in any way oh massively yeah you know um, Tom Tom was absolute legend uh, so you know a lot of what we a lot of the sort of the characters and that he instilled upon us as young players, you know, I try and try and do the same thing. And Watford was great with their culture and the philosophies they set in young young kids. So definitely try to pass on a lot of that about doing things properly and being professional. And you know, it was a great time growing up growing up with Tom um, and at Watford. Would you would you been around the club when Graham Taylor was there? Very early, but he left. You know, I think I was a schoolboy when he was there. You know, so I, I was a sort of part of that culture that, that had been left over um, with the older players from Graham Taylor's first sort of era. Um, and then when he came back, you know, it was it was massive for the club. Uh, and he was, he was obviously just a great man, uh, top top guy, great man, 
you know, very knowledgeable and um, was exactly what we needed at that point in time and obviously was very successful again. Yeah, it was amazing, amazing time. Because you, you were a Watford player during not the best of times, but actually now we look back, one of the, the quite a, a well-loved time because it was almost like, you know, that's what true Watford was you know in some ways under Graham we were punching above our weight um but the levels that we were playing at how did you know as a, a you know a, a, an older man now looking back on it how did it feel of being around the club you know in that sort of mid mid late 90s yeah you're right we had a few a few years where it was struggle we you know we had a lot of a lot of managers and coaches come and go and, and come in um, lots of different players came and went and um, you know we didn't it didn't quite have the the attraction that Watford has now of bringing in all these these you know top foreign players and and that so yeah we had a few tough times but you know I mean I look back really fondly is where I grew up you know I was 14 when I joined the club and did my did my apprenticeship there YTS as it was with with the youth team and Tom and um, Kenny Jacket was a youth team coach, and then he obviously moved moved on as well. Uh, made a lot of friends. You know, still keep in touch with, with some of the players, still best mates with you know Gary Porter and Nigel Gibbs and Hessen Tala. Um, some of those older guys, Richard Johnson and, and Robert Page, still keep in touch with those guys. So, yeah, it's great great times. There were some tough ones, but um, you know, you know, when you look back, you go, well, that was that was part of it. You know, you had to fight, and um, eventually we got that bit of success. Uh, well, a couple of times we went back to back promotions. Um, so we had some good times as well. I look back very fondly and, um, yeah, it's a great club. Still follow them now. Is there, like, I know this, let, let's go for the the, the, the darkest time or yeah. maybe the darkest you know, maybe game that you played in, but then actually the best game that you played in? Well, probably the the worst time. I was I was a young kid. I think I was 19 um, coming through and Kenny was in charge now and I'd broke in to the first team and uh, I'd played for England under 21s in the out of season and came back at the start of the season, had a good pre-season um, there. And then I'm not sure if you remember, I can't remember what year it was, but we were playing Luton away. Mm. Um, it's obviously a big game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Luton away and, and it was about 25 minutes in and um, I went in for a challenge with Kerry Dixon at the time and I remember falling over and twisted my knee and yeah, had to go off injured and actually tore tore my ligament in in my right knee. Uh, first game of the season away at Luton, so that was that was really dark because it, you know it took me about six months to get back fitness wise, and um, you know sort of lost my place in the team for for a little while there, and you know I had to had to work really hard to get fit and, and get back to a level of performance uh, that got me back in the first team. But, um, yeah, so that was that was pretty dark. I suppose the injuries and, and getting relegated on the last day mm. uh, against Leicester that day, and and that was that was pretty bad um but then yeah we had some great times as well you know the running in the in the second division and beating or sort of getting promotion at fulham on that last day of the season um in 98 maybe yeah um that was a great day and, and a great running and then uh, obviously the next year was was the year it was you know, probably my favorite year when i look back at uh, my football career 98 99 season we we did okay throughout the season and, and I was playing right back there. I, I sort of secured my position as fullback at the club. Um, and we had a good hard working team. Graham had come back in and, and um, you know, we were working really hard. No superstars, but some good players, you know, with Tommy Mooney and Richard Johnson. And, uh, I can see it's funny we were talking about this team the other day because um, 
you know, there's, there's still a lot of Watford players that we talk about around. And Peter Taylor, who was a coach back in Watford in the early years, is is currently with us here in New Zealand. He's um, working with the senior national team. So I've been talking to him a lot about the Watford years. But we were talking about that year, that running and, and the team we had, Alec Chamberlain in goal and myself, Robert Page, uh, Steve Palmer, centre-backs. Paul Robinson, left back, Peter Kennedy, Micah Hyde, Richard Johnson, mm. Nick Wright, you know, Michelle Ngongi, Tommy Mooney, um, Alan Hazan, uh, Alan Smart. You know, it was, it was a very good, hard-working team. And I think mm. it was mid-season, um, we went on that run, 10 games out, and put a string of wins together and jumped into the playoffs. And you know, it was a really, a really great time. My first, um, my daughter was born, my second daughter was born the day before the whole game, the last game of the season. She was born that night over in Watford General next to the, next to the pitch there. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I was sort of in the hospital that night and then, you know, played the next day and, you know, we got into the playoffs and then we had that home and away with Birmingham. And that's, that, that's one of the, the things I look back fondly of, that, that home and away with Birmingham, you know, big games and we had the penalty shootout away. Um, and I look back with a lot of pride that I, I took one of the penalties that day. Mm. Um, I, I took the fourth penalty. Um, but I always remember this sense of, of feeling of confidence in the team. You know, once it got to penalties, you know, Graham Taylor was a very clever man um, and he had us very prepared for that game and very prepared for, you know, the penalties if they arised. And so once it went to penalties, I knew the feeling myself, even walking from the halfway line to the penalty spot, that I knew exactly what I was going to do with the ball. You know, we'd done it in training all week and um, very confident in the teammates. And, you know, I, I scored. So I was, you know, I look back with a lot of pride of, of that moment because it's a high pressure moment. Mm. You know, they talk about that game as being the biggest game in the world uh, to, to get to, to sort of well, the Wembley game is the biggest game with the the money for the Premier League, but you know the semi final there to get to Wembley was um, massive, massive, and uh, yeah, we went. I think it ended up about nine eight or something on penalties. <laughs> we eventually won through that one, and then and then to get that you know go to Wembley was was always a childhood dream. You know, I grew up watching FA Cup finals and that, and, and you know playing at Wembley. So. For a lot of us to achieve that and go to Wembley um, and then to actually win that game was was yeah massive and um, you know the highlight of my career you know playing at Wembley and, and winning that game and um, obviously then things changed and, and I moved on after that game actually it was my last game at the club but mm. um, yeah I, I do look back really fondly of the ten years ten or twelve years I had if you include when I was a sort of 14, 15-year-old playing in the in the schoolboys team. Um, met a lot of great people and still follow the club now. And it's great to see them doing so well in, now in the Premier League. And, you know, they, they look like a good team. Obviously very different nowadays, but um, yeah, it's awesome to see. Because it is a very, it's a very different team now, but the, the like the, the, the when you, you you name that team from mm. from the late nineties, you know that's almost a team that a lot of Watford fans would want to have. You know, a lot of British players yeah. um, come through. A lot of boys have come through the system. Um, the, the, the definite feeling of of them uh, wanting uh, being part of of the club. Do you think a team like that could? You know, with, you know with all the stuff that you know about that team. You know, not just because yeah. you know, you know, you're not looking at it from the outside as a pundit does. But could that yeah. team have done a little bit more, or maybe even in a modern day, do anything similar? Do you think that make that sort of team? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the game's obviously changed, and um, I think nowadays there's so much pressure to bring in 
bring in players and bring in players that have played at a higher level. And, you know, there is something about having that unbelievable team spirit and work rate and, um, and, and attitude. And, and like I say, when I look back, it's amazing that I can just name that team on mm. that squad, like straight away, you know, that, that, that team, because we were, you know, we weren't, I'm not saying we were that close as a unit, but on the game day and in training, there was just this great belief and work great and trust in each other that everybody would do their job. And, and that is credit to Graham Taylor and, and what he instilled upon upon the um, the players and the team that, you know, once the, the game kicked off, we all knew our jobs and we were all prepared to you know, work extremely hard to try and get that result. And um, that was something I suppose we, we didn't have throughout my time at Watford. You know, there was a lot of, lot of changes with players and, um, you know, coaches even. But, um, yeah, I mean, the game has moved on, especially in the Premier League, and, and, and there's a demand now that people want to see certain players and, and that. So whether a, whether a hard-working team like that could, could sort of do what Watford are doing now, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, you'd like to think you could have that sort of team spirit and culture and hard work and then add some flair and some some extra quality. Uh, it's probably what we did need um, in amongst that, and, and you could do quite well. But, um, yeah, some, like I say, some good times. <laughs> Lots to enjoy in that chat, John. So I suppose I have to apologise for not not believing you about your. Uh, <laughs> although he wasn't completely, it wasn't like it didn't stick in his his memory as much as yours, did it? Well, the thing is, think about the Watford you know, games you've seen where Watford have lost. Haven't you got those out of your mind a bit quicker than mm. than all the victories? That's I'd, like, what we I'd like to say yes, but they they do linger on. There's two, there's two immediate things. Has any other Watford plan, fans uh, played a Watford player, past or present, at sport and beaten them and beaten them? Uh, not necessarily on black ball or last kick of the game, but have you played uh, a Watford player at sport? Let us know. You can, and make sure you do check out the 100 objects as well. But what I loved about that um, interview, the two things, one, when you mentioned Tom Wally, yeah. um, and without fail, anyone we've spoken to of that era um, mentions Tom Wally in incredibly glowing terms and and really reference him as, a, as an incredibly intrinsic, really important part of their career. Um, and he was at Watford for a long, long time. And I do wonder... Well, it, a if there's a place for people like Tom Wally in football anymore, I hope there is. I like to think there is. And b is that the one thing that we haven't got that sort of that real um, father figure who is trusted to bring players through all the way from the from the kids all the way through through the academy and, and to deliver them to the first team, the way that that Tom Tom Wally did for Watford. He was so important to to, to Graham Taylor era the first time round Watford, um, and. Are those sort of he was almost like pastoral in his in his in the in the role he played. It wasn't just getting them ready for football. It was about the discipline and about outside the game and about getting them ready for for, for life in general as well. And he was, you know, you can't overstate it. I don't I don't know Tom Wally, but being te- speaking to these guys, they just cannot overemphasize how important this guy was. And it's just whether someone. Watford and and maybe other Premier League clubs and and football league clubs we've seen that that footballers get themselves into difficulty. Whether that role is one that's overlooked, do you think we don't need it anymore? Because there's all there's the the game is so well managed in other ways. You know, there's a Premier League match manager for every game. There's the staff that cover everything. But is there that guy who? And I guess it's you'd you might argue it's the role of the agent these days to play that sort of almost father figure. Well, but, he just he I think he sort of defined the the youth setup more so than just being 
a really good coach. Yeah. You know, he, he you know, I reckon parents would have bought into Watford and getting their boys into you know, coming to Watford, not only because we were a top division side at that point, yeah. but but him and the qualities, let's say, he has as a person. Yeah. I don't know if you stuck him up against some of the, the academy uh, people who run them now, the bosses there, if he has the coaching, the high level of coaching he has. But is it was the word culture that yeah. Darren used, yeah. that sort of really sort of, you know, fitted with me, that culture he sort of, you know, kept and does use himself when he's with the with the New Zealand under-20s. What was great was that just two-way respect is what he engendered. And that's so, so important. It's, yeah, you just, I love hearing about it because it's that era that, that I grew up watching Watford and I just love hearing about that guy and what he did. But so that was great to hear. But also just the way he reeled off yeah. that side. And it was great to hearing those names. And they're the sort of names that if we had their equivalent these days, we'd still be happy with, wouldn't we? Do you know what I mean? It just it was a great side. And at the time, I don't know whether it felt like we were um, full of sort of journeymen and, and players playing to the best of their ability. When actually, you look back, that was when he, when he, my smile got increasingly wider as I, as I heard him going through the side. It's just what a, what a great team it was and, uh, and, and great memories. Super to hear from Darren there. Really good. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. Okay, thanks a lot. Um, firstly, for uh, everyone who got involved at uh, half-time, we did a little bit of a, uh, a bit of a chat whilst playing a game of Sabutio. Uh, you can watch that if you really want to uh, on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Watford Podcast. Uh, and everyone who's uh, got involved with that, my question asking, yeah, what, what do we talk about? We talked about a lot of them, uh, some of the ideas that came through Twitter account, which is at Watford Podcast. Um, firstly... Uh, Pete Fincham, the unhappy man, unhippy man, uh, lack of quality in the Premier League. Sort of get that. I think unhappy is fair enough when it comes to Pete. I don't think Pete would argue with that, would you, mate? Um, yeah, the lack of quality in the Premier League. Now, I think I always, I always think this is. I find it a bit, bit frustrating when when pundits and players say, "Well, the the league isn't great," and they they said it last year when Leicester won the league, just because you know Man United or or Man City weren't running away with the league. All of a sudden, it's not not a great division. And I think when, what you find is when a team like Watford play a team like Middlesbrough. It's a very, very important game. They're two fairly evenly matched sides. You're not going to get an end-to-end display of the world's best attacking football. But is it also the fact that, they're, yes, they're evenly matched in terms of ability, but they're also evenly matched in terms of uh, cautiousness? Well, cautious, you call it cautiousness. You call it setting up in the right way. If you know, if there was ten, if every if if, there, if every goalkeeper was having to make twenty worldy saves, you're asking about the quality of the defence. But what is quality? You know, what is what is it? Is it you know end to end passing moves? Well, if if one team's going to end to the end passing, why the, why is the other team not stopping them? So you can't you can't. Have, I just think I understand the, the crux of the point, but I also think you just this is football, um, and you've got one team trying to stop the other, and the other team trying to stop the other team. No one's going to sit back and let you play. Um, you have to earn the right, and Watford did that today. Um, they didn't, couldn't care less, and quite rightly so, about what the three and a half people watching on TV um, will have thought about the game. That's not their job. Their job is to get the game won. Watford have turned up, and really, I wouldn't say it's comfortable. The goal was a good one, and a, a draw potentially, if you look at all the the stats. And if you were a neutral, you'd probably say, "Well, I'd, I'd have that down as a draw as a fair result." You know, is it one that's going to live on my skybox for 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 years to come? I doubt it, but. It's the same, you know. Not every game of football can be like a might be an oil painting. It's the nature of the beast. It's professional sport. Two uh, highly, you know, loads of highly skilled performers going against each other. Very little in it. 
Yeah. Is there is there lack of Premier League of quality in the Premier League? Absolutely not. These players are phenomenal. Um, and if 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 you think otherwise, then I suggest you ask a couple of them to play five aside with you um, <laughs> one afternoon and see and see how much of the ball you see then. Yeah, I would see none of it. Uh, Matt Davis, uh, thanks, Matt. Uh, how effective has Pereira been in the last three matches compared to your expectations of him? Not he's, he's slipped back. He's not quite. I think effective or not quite ever present as he might have been in certain games. Uh, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? I was watching him at the end there, on ninety minutes, and he was blowing, and he did, he'd obviously put put a shift in. I think the midfield as a whole didn't really; it wasn't very fluid and fluent, and wasn't an integral. It wasn't the focal point of the of this game, was it? The the midfield, um, and it certainly wasn't a game that was going to with no space with the, with the team pressing against us. It wasn't going to um, benefit someone like uh, Pereira, who who needs a bit of space in front of him. I think to to get the best out of him. Um, it's always the same when you have a new signing. You 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 want them to do well. I think you will them to do well. And when and when they they start and then they first play, you're watching them and thinking, yeah, he looks great. He looks superb. I think if you watch him, if you did a personal player cam on Pereira for the game, which I think probably fewer people are these days, you probably still see that his t- his touch is excellent. He looks very comfortable on the ball. He looks like he's getting perhaps getting a little bit stronger. The overall impact on the game, mm. fine. He didn't beat many men he didn't go on many runs delivery not not great a couple of times um so again is this one that's going to live on the Pereira family sky box mm. uh, sky plus box um, <laughs> other recording devices are available is it TiVo if you're in the states yeah. for new york hornets there's not going to live on your TiVo for long you've probably gone back to sleep by now but um so yeah i think he's a, he's a, he's a great acquisition he's shown what he's capable of he's not going to get an opportunity to shine in every game um i think some of the replies on that were, were suggesting that he he steps steps up against the against the better opposition the reason for that might be that they aren't pressing so much, they're not crowding the midfield so much, he's getting more time yeah. and space to run maybe sort of box to box unchallenged. But then I would say, has the contribution been, you know, because it's, it's great looking striding from one end of the pitch to the other with the ball under control looks good and that'll stick in the memory. But in terms of actually what he's delivered what and what his impact is, whether that's been reduced, I don't know. He certainly hasn't caught the eye hmm. as much, but... I think Watford are, are definitely a better, a better team with uh, with him in it. Uh, Paul Smith, um, it's sort of something we've already talked about in the podcast, and we talked about on, on the previous podcast. How wrong was Flores uh, over Holabas and Barami? And the answer is, you want to say massively because the impact that they have made this season so far um, certainly outweighs what they would have done last year. That said, um, but they are, and especially what you've seen Barami say in the past, they I think they definitely clashed uh, in terms yeah. of personality, not in terms of their footballing ability. Well, and that's why they were left. Out the team, I, not necessarily because of their ability. I did. I, I think. I think Colobas and, and Flores did. They certainly clashed. But I'd also think he's not a very Flores defender, is he? Because he. We we spoke about it earlier. His positional sense. He can be slow to get back sometimes. And we all know how Kike wanted to play the game. He wanted to be solid at the, at the back and not not concede many. So I can imagine to see um, Holobas rocketing up down or tanking down the wing as well as the commentator said on Sky today, which which sounded Great amusing. Man. To see him gallivanting off and then not coming back as quickly to get into position probably would have upset Kike a little bit. So I kind of understand where, where he was coming from. But yeah, that said, his, I think his attacking ability, he's, he's got two goals this season. Um, so yeah, I think, and we've, we've talked almost ad nauseam in, on the podcast about Barami. He's still not a lot of people's cup of tea, but I think the work he does is absolutely invaluable. He's a sort of um, upgrade on, on Ben Watson, quite frankly. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of Barami. He's got to be in the um, in the running for player of the season, as far, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I think. But you know, Kike played the game differently. He had different formations, different ideas on on the way he wanted to to, to see the games out. 
he made his choice. Um, you can't argue because we, we stayed up. But yeah, I, I love seeing Holobas and I've seen Barama. I think they're, they're, they're both good. Yeah. Uh, I would say we've come away with three points and a clean sheet today. And that will do very nicely. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you got involved with the, uh, the Facebook Live at halftime. Uh, so we've got a away game. Uh, next, we've got a away game at Swansea. Uh, and then we've got our end of the month on the 29th. We've got the home game against Hull. You hope that Swansea aren't on their nice little up from their new manager and Hull play as badly as they did yesterday against Bournemouth. And then we'll go into November and uh, Liverpool uh, Liverpool away. Uh, quite happy, quite content. I think Burnley aside, you've got to be happy with the, with the start to the season. Uh, Bournemouth, we spoke about, was it was a great game. Um, today wasn't it was, it was it wasn't excited by a long chalk, but we've got the win, which is the most important thing. Grinding out these these tough results, we've now got an opportunity for four, maybe six points. Swansea away, Swansea, you know they they lost this weekend under their new manager. There was no bounce there. They'll be looking there another one who will have identified Watford as someone to get points points against. Um, so we just need to be as tough and resolute as we were against uh, against Middlesbrough there. And then yeah, we absolutely have to beat Hull at home. Let's not you know let's not beat around anyone. Let's say we'll be happy with a couple of draws. You know four points. You would say um, would be. Perfectly within our uh, uh, reasonable expectations, and then we can go and we can go and have a crack at Liverpool and let them worry about us for a change instead of instead of vice versa. So in terms of the season, it's, it's ticking along really, really, really nicely, really nicely. Be be nice to get Daryl Yanmat back. Uh, I don't think he was in contention for for this one, but be nice to get him back, uh, back in at, at right wing back. I think yeah, um, Zuniga came in. He looks like a he looks like a right back, which is nice. I think um, uh, Amrabat struggled. Struggled against Middlesbrough. Um, he made a couple of. Uh, he just looked all at sea. His his body body shape was incorrect, and it, it could have been. It could have cost us. So when Zuniga came in, he looked like a proper defender. But I would prefer to see see Yanmat in there. You were, you tried to wrap this podcast up two minutes ago, I John. Did. Listen I to me. Did. Uh, what for the ninth at the moment? It's tough to get them out of this uh, second game on a Super Sunday. Uh, they'll go above us, but we 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 played eight. We the best thing about this eleven points. But the best thing. Zero goals in the fourth and against. We're even. I'll take that. Are we top half? Top half. That's now more we can wish for. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, do get involved. Thank you, Mike. No problem. Thank you. Come on, you horns.